Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Education Conversations. Let's welcome uh, Professor uh, Suremati Munsami Maestri, who is a professor in the School of Education at the University of Guazulu Natal. Thank you very much for joining us, Professor Maestri. Good evening, Patricia, and good evening to your listeners. Professor, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us. So, you know, th- this uh, article that you have penned is one that is quite interesting, especially because now we have had um, the, the, the rains that came in. They were disastrous in KZN. And we have seen the inequality gap becoming so visible with schools that have been dilapidated, roads leading to schools being dilapidated. Take us through your article and what inspired it. Um, I mean, the fact that no fee school system cannot undo inequality. Thank you. And so let me just give you a little bit of a background to this. This research study was conducted with a PhD student of mine. And so we completed the study, and in the study, we, we worked with principals in the greater Durban area. And many of these principals, uh, the trigger for the study was that many of the principals were struggling with, with meeting, making ends meet uh, in terms of their school, uh, school funding, matching the school expenditure. And most or very often there will be a shortfall at the end of each month. Or uh, uh, Professor Maestri, Professor Maestri, unfortunately, I'm not getting a very clear line with you. So I'm going to ask Ben to try and see if we can uh, fix that. And uh, in the meantime, let me just remind our A-teamers that we are talking about something I think we all as South Africans are passionate about, the huge inequality gap, especially when it comes to the schooling system. We want our children to have equal opportunities because that's what our constitution says. But with the inequality that has been edged in our society from uh, apartheid times up until where we are today, where we are still trying to bridge this gap, we are seeing that, yeah, it's possible that free schooling system may not work but uh, we are joined by Professor Maestri who's going to be able to give us an understanding why he feels according to the article that he penned down um, that this uh, no school paying uh, system will not fix inequality. 011-714-2006 that's the number you can call us on Um, and if you have family members who attend these schools, children who attend these schools, and you have seen a difference, please share it with us. Share it with the A-teamers so the A-teamers are able to have an understanding if there is a difference. If there's no difference, then good. Also share that with us between the higher quintile schools and the lower quintile schools. And perhaps you're an educator in one of these uh, no-fee-paying schools. Let us know how that is going. Do you have all the infrastructure that you need to be able to aid your students? Are you well-trained, well-equipped as an educator? Do you feel that the children you are teaching are getting the best out of the education system as opposed to those in higher quintile school-fee-paying schools? You can also send a WhatsApp on zero. 614-104-107 or SMS 41391. Professor Maestri, you are back with us. Please do uh, share your thoughts. Thank you very much. Can you hear me clearly now, Patricia? Loud and clearly, I'm glad. All right. So I was just giving you some background to, to the study that we conducted. So this study was conducted in the greater Durban area and we worked with principals who were themselves experiencing various difficulties with, with regard to uh, the funding that they were receiving from the state, the funding that they were generating from school fees, 
and uh, clearly it wasn't meeting their, their monthly expenses. So this triggered the study, and the study was quite revealing in that it showed that the, that the Milfi school system actually isn't working well. It actually disadvantages poorer schools, it disadvantages communities where uh, where the middle class where middle class families have moved out of the area and moved to more affluent suburbs. So what has happened then is that because we have a no we have no we have no fee schools and we have a system that allows certain schools to charge fees. It's usually your ex modelcy and private schools that, that can charge fees. What what this has created then is a market for school education. So if you call it a market for education packages. So when a when a parent pays for education or pays school fees, they're buying a particular education package. So the package would come with uh, with a certain teacher pupil ratio, it will come with certain facilities like sports facilities, a gymnasium, a swimming pool, uh, playgrounds, hockey fields, rugby fields. And just like if you were to imagine a market for cars, for example, you would get your high end cars like Mercedes Benz, BMW, Audis, etc., and your low end vehicles. And each of these, each of these, these cars have, have served a particular market. So, so what parents do is they pay for the product that they can afford. And often parents pay more, will, will dig deep and borrow and, and try their best to get the best possible package for the for their pupils. So in the creation of this market, those that can afford to buy a better package are obviously paying, digging deep and paying for this better package. The effect of all of this is that we've seen from 1994 onwards when the Group Areas Act fell away, that the middle-class families that lived in townships and in previously non-white areas moved into areas that were a lot more affluent, the leafy suburbs with better equipped schools and better facilities, and they took their monies with them. So we, we see a systematic drain over a period of almost two decades now, more than two decades now, almost three decades, in fact, a systematic drain of funds and resources out of poor areas, out of poor schools, into richer areas. So the effect then is that the richer schools have actually strengthened. So while the state has created this no free school policy, which allows certain free schools in quintiles one, two, and three not to charge fees, and allows schools in quintiles four and five, quintiles refer to, to categories of groupings. Right? So the poorest schools are the lowest quintiles, quintiles four and five are the richest schools. So because the state now allows the higher quintile schools four and five to charge fees, they've inadvertently created a market. And uh, it's, it's a, well, what we need now, though, is a review of this policy. That, that's what I'm suggesting. So you can go ahead and ask me any particular question that you have uh, uh, on this Mm. So so I, I hear you, uh, Professor, you're saying we need a review on this particular policy, but I feel that there, there needs to be a, uh, an upper skilling when it comes to to um, making sure that all government schools give equal opportunity. The fact that there are private schools that have mushroomed and they've always been there, some of them, should not you know, equate to the fact that a package that a child gets at a no-fee-paying school does not give them the same leverage as a package that a child pays at a quintile four school, which is fee-paying, but in a more affluent area. Let me go to the lines. I've got Aitima Ayesha. Good evening, Ayesha. 
Good evening, Pat. I felt you last night, and I thought that you should calm down. That <laughs> woman on the other side was she is emotionally traumatized. Now let's get to the matter at hand. Mm. Yeah. Uh, to that professor that you have sitting there, I trust that you will take this message I'm giving. And you will take this message I'm going to give you now and ensure that it happens since you connected to the Zulu royal family via Raya. Ho, 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 Aisha. Those allegations. <laughs> you, you, are, you are forcefully connecting me to the Zulu royal family. <laughs> Aisha, you'll get me into big trouble. <laughs> Listen here. Chuck, 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 I heard on SAFM that the IMF said uh, that the member states, their member states, will contribute to the climate change uh, trauma in South Africa. So that tells me we have a blank check to build state-of-the-art schools with all the facilities that your prof is talking about, starting in KZN and the Eastern Cape. We will not tolerate this government popping and lapping and putting up little containers and stealing the money. They now have an opportunity and the resources to build proper schools. What I want to ask the prof is, what is the proper number of children that need to be in a classroom? Is it 20? Can you answer me? All right, Aisha. Uh, Is that the only question you have before we allow the prof to um, answer? And, and 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 then what I'd like him to do further is to work out how many classrooms we need and the budget so we can give it to the government for all the schools there in in case it But but Aisha, wait. Now you're giving me homework that I was deliberately asking our guest last night. And our guest kept on saying they are still working on the numbers, they are planning on planning. So now you're no, giving me you that homework. You could ask somebody that, that can actually do the job like this professor. Aisha, you're going to get into trouble. But thank you for the question. Thank you for the question, my love. Have a good evening. Um, Professor, I hear where Aisha is coming from. You know, we want equality here when it comes to education. And she's asking a simple question. How many children should be in a class? What should the correct ratio be? So I, I've been a school teacher myself before I, before I moved on to the university. And I, I thought of a class of between 30 and 35 pupils per, per teacher is a class that, a, that, a, that an average teacher should be able to manage quite comfortably, given the fact, given that there's enough space that all children have, uh, have resources like textbooks and books to write on, that there's enough space, enough desks in the class, and uh, the space to move around, to do booth work. All children can see the board. Uh, there's proper ventilation, so all of those all of those factors also play a, uh, play a part. So that that would that, that would be my number, I would say. But before before you move on, as I was listening before I came on air, you mentioned the fact that inequality has always been with us in South Africa. In fact, we we inherited inequality from from the apartheid system. But we are 28 years down the line, and people are asking questions as to what explains why we still have such inequality in the country. So it's, a, it's quite a complex question. Eh? So I'm going to give you a few statistics here, some, some numbers. And I must say up front that these numbers 
comes from the Department of Education. Now, earlier on, Aisha, somebody mentioned that, that uh, people don't know. So when, when crises when crises like uh, the pandemic hit us, uh, when the crisis like this, this flood, this flood in, in, in KZN and the Eastern Cape hits us, the Department of Education suddenly scrambles to try to find data. After, after, after the COVID-19 pandemic, or when it just struck, at that point, the Department of Education themselves didn't know how many, how many schools are running water, how many schools have flushing toilets. So they had to go and get this information. And in April last year, they released a report called the National Education Infrastructure Management Report. And this report came, that came from them. Right? So they, they know all of the stuff that came from them. And I'll give you some statistics which will make you uh, probably fall off your chair. Right? So at the moment in South Africa, I'm, I'm, just, I'm going to take the issue of libraries. There, there are 23,276 public schools. 17,800 do not have libraries. That's close to 70%. So 70% of all schools, public schools in the country, do not have a library to date. I'm going to give you another fact about pit latrines. Of the 23,276 schools, over 5,000 still use pit latrines. Now, I had the opportunity to speak to an engineer, a civil engineer, over the weekend. And she said to me that, you know, pickletrine in water-scarce areas are viable means of, of, of uh, sewer removal. But they have to be safe pickletrines. And she says traditionally these pickletrines have been built for adults in mind, with adults in mind. So the structure is, is not the safest thing for little children. And that is why we've had these fatalities of children, you know, children mm. falling into the pickletrines and drowning. Oh. And, uh, it's a horrible death. So, so these 5,000 pickletrines that still exist, they have to be made safe. Uh, I can give you, some, give you some other starting statistics if you want to hear. But, uh, well, it, it, it's very clear that uh, the more statistics you're going to give, uh, the more shocked we are going to be. Um, um, let me allow Mr. Mdawung, who's, uh, on, who's holding. Hey, Mr. Mdawung, good evening. Good evening, and how are you? Strong. How are you doing? Oh, I'm trying to be strong, but I'm weak. Good evening to Prof. And greetings to the wonderful listeners of SAFM. <clears throat> the topic that you are holding today, it's so important. And it pains my heart because year in and year out, we are bringing forth this type of issues to the attention of the government, but little has been done. May you know what? I also want to draw the attention <clears throat> to Prof. Uh, the security issue in our school again is being compromised. You know, uh, I, I, I have taken a walk today in three of our schools here in my area. I've walked into the schools I even went next to the doors of a classroom. There was nobody who was asking me, who am I? Why was I there? What was I doing? There was nobody even who was checking on me whether I was carrying a weapon, I could be coming to attack a teacher or a pupil. Now, 
I am making a humble plea with a very bleeding heart that the security issue again must be taken and made a top priority. Principals and school governing bodies, they must elevate this matter to the Department of Education because it is so important. Very often, like we are having this situation in KwaZulu-Natal, and may the good Lord condone the families who have suffered the losses of their loved ones. We tend to forget about the underlying problems. The security issue, may, I am worried. I am worried to death. I don't know what kind of a language should we send to the Department of Education to take cognizance of this important issue. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mr. Um I'm going to read these uh, messages from A-teamers before I allow uh, Professor Maestri to weigh in on um, our A-teamers. This one says, Hi, Patricia, I've always wanted to know the difference other than the facilities. Where's the difference? Is it in the syllabus? This is from Voyo in Bloemfontein. Uh, perhaps uh, Prof will be able to answer that. What's the difference in all these quintile schools? Maswabi in Bloemfontein says, no one will stop inequality in our schools. Hence, politics are playing the role as a form of getting votes. Private schools will always be best because they mean business and a difference is visible um, in your child, including discipline. Pain is left by parents in the pocket, uh, but cure by development of the child. People must understand nothing for free in this life except in jail. All right, we hear you, Maswabi. Prof, please do weigh in on what Mr. Mdawung um, observed at the school today when it comes to security and, you know, the sheer nonchalance of uh, the, the, the school staff and also the question around the syllabus and uh, also the fact that inequality will never end. Sure. Uh, let me just take each one of these those issues one at a time. Right? Yeah. So with regard to security, you would expect, you can expect that poorer schools would be the schools that cannot afford security guards and 24-hour security, that the poorer schools would, would be exposed to more, exposed to more risk of, of people just walking in, people abusing children, abusing teachers, etc. The richer schools, on the other hand, have good security fencing. They have cameras. Uh, they have particular protocols. It's, you know, it's really difficult for a parent to eventually get get to a teacher without going through to some security measures. So again, it's it's the rich and the poor schools that that will that will experience security in different ways. But we need to change that. Right? And I'm going to give you some ideas just now after I cover the other two issues as to how I think we need to just get 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 the system back on track. So with regard to the syllabus, <clears throat> now the South African school curriculum is, is referred to as, as the curriculum and assessment policy. It's a it's a common uniform syllabus that has to be taught to all children in the country, irrespective of whether you are in a public school, ex modernity school, or private school. By the way, ex modernity schools are public schools. Right? Mm. Uh, so it's a uniform syllabus, it's a uniform curriculum. The big difference, though, is the way in which the, color, the curriculum gets delivered. So you could have a common curriculum, but if you're sitting in a class with 60 children, with one teacher, broken windows, overcrowding, uh, inadequate textbooks, uh, number of textbooks, inadequate resources, poor lighting, uh, and the conditions, and, and you're sitting with children with, with empty stomachs, children just that, that, 
that are coming to school with different levels of motivation and guidance and support from home, etc. All of those play a, play a role or a, a determining factor in how the curriculum gets delivered, how it's taught, and how it's received by the learners. So in your, in your, in, in your richer schools, your more affluent schools, you can expect that the classrooms will be more airy, they, it, will, it will be well ventilated, the teacher-pupil ratios will be much lower, uh, there will be resources, there will be guidance from, from heads of departments, etc. So the child, by the end of each year, would have covered the curriculum adequately, with by, and it will be taught by a qualified teacher, with regular, and there will be checks and balances. So the child in, in the more affluent school receives a different kind of delivery and of, of the curriculum as compared to, to children in, in schools that are not so well-functioning. So that's the issue of the syllabus. So there is a uniform syllabus, but the uniform syllabus does not fix things. This sure. uniform syllabus gets applied in such diverse and different contexts. In the, in the article that I wrote, we, we, you know, we mentioned the fact that within a radius of five kilo, kilometers in a, in, in, a, in a city, you could find schools that are equivalent to the best in the world, high-tech, top resources, playing fields, you name it. And within the same radius, you would find extremely poor schools that don't, they don't even have a, uh, a dusty football field or, or playground mm. for children to, to, play, to play on. So that's the issue of the syllabus. A prof maestri, unfortunately our time is far spent and I, I need to move on. I wish we had more time to just, you know, dissect this issue of um, no fees paying schools and the, the, the inequality that we have. But we thank you so very much for joining us this evening. Sure, I was going to give you a little bit of uh, some insight as to how, how we should move forward, I think. But if you, if no Thank you very much, Professor. Our time is far spent. Um, here's a message that says, Department of Education doesn't care at all. I worked for the Department of Education in Port Elizabeth District as an invigilator last year in November. Until now, we are still waiting for our money. They paid us bit by bit, and they don't even care for us. They only give uh, us lies that we are going to get the money, but until today.